1: This is the Hip Hop Save My Life Podcast. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Hope you enjoy the podcast. let sit back because it's time for the podcast.
2: Welcome to Hip Hop Save My Life, uh, another lockdown special. Uh, I'm joined by Rupert. How you doing, mate? Good.
3: I like I like the enthusiasm of another lockdown special.
2: <laughs> well, I just sort of, I just thought, because it's so shit, if you try and put some stank on it, it might, you know, I might be able to muster up some enthusiasm about it, do you know what I mean? like, It's another lockdown, we're trapped, but we're able to bring this, you know, like that sort of... I'm, know, I'm, fe- sh- I'm
3: feeling back it. already with that approach, I like it. Mm-hmm. I mean,
2: Thank you, thank you. <laughs> um, well, look, it's very exciting today, because we are joined by... Look, the word legend is thrown about a fair bit, isn't it? But... Yeah. Uh, in this instance, is absolutely deserved. We are joined by the legend that is Shaggy. Hello, mate. <laughs> what an intro. I don't know. So People get upset these days when they hear legend, though. They're
1: like, oh, what are you trying to say? you trying to call me a has-been? Is that what you're saying? Because <laughs> that's what legend is, kind of like uh, you know, it's like a... being in the know, Kind of a nice way of saying,
2: okay, uh, yeah, you were
1: dead.
2: Well, I, I sort of think... I did. I obviously didn't mean it that way, but you know, like, uh, it's, it's very rare. It's, it's very rare that you call someone a legend and it starts to make things awkward. It's not happened to me, <laughs> except with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I remember, like, when I started doing, when I started doing stand-up comedy, like when yeah. you when you start coming out and doing new bits and pieces, I was desperate to hold on to up-and-coming as a descriptor for me. Whenever, like, anybody referred to me, up and coming, new, exciting, like, I was, I, I wanted to hold on to that as long as I possibly could, man. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you don't want to. And,
3: and now you're just a legend.
2: Well, that's the thing. I, I don't, I, uh, I'm now kind of somebody who feels like this creative force is spent without having achieved legendary status. So I'm, I'm kind of just, my best days are behind me and I'm just sort of, uh, waiting for the end, really. So that's not the case for you, Shaggy. That's absolutely not the case for you, mate. Listen, it's not the case for any of us. I mean, if you look what happened uh, just recently last night on Super
1: Bowl uh, yeah. in, in America uh, with Tom Brady, where everybody's writing this guy off. Yeah, he's, he's old now. And he left and went to another team. Went to a team that didn't make the playoffs, got them there, and then won. Mm,
2: yeah.
1: And he's the, And he's the old guy. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I like. I love it. So, you know, in, in the game of making music, where I'm at, you know, I, you always, you always get these people. Ah, well, you're not this. You're not. Nah, they can't stop me now. So, uh, he, he's been an inspiration, and you're, you, my man, should really take that as, as an inspiration, because now. You're seasoned as a comic. Okay, you're quite, not yeah, up coming yeah. anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you. No, that, that's
2: good. Yeah. All yeah. All right. That's good. That's good. A lot,
3: a so lot do you want to say weathered in relation? Weather. To, yeah, yes, weathered. Yeah. Weathered.
2: Yes. yes. You're
3: weathered.
2: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's thanks a, for good... chipping. <laughs> th- thanks for chipping in with that, mate. It's nice. With that in mind, do you feel like you know what is your what is your sort of goal like do you feel like you must feel like you've achieved everything that you want to achieve right so like if you were to retire tomorrow bearing in mind that we're we're talking to you now when you're in a recording studio so that's not that's not likely to happen but if you were to retire tomorrow would you feel like I've done everything I, I set out to do or do you feel like you've still got some un, unachieved goals that you want to go for
1: I I have never felt like this is it I no. I am I am I do, I, it, it is mind boggling to me, the hunger I have. I, I don't, I don't, I, I myself don't understand. I will sit here and I'll be like, okay, I'll have a reflection. And I'll go off on one of my little retreats with my wife and get my lizen mode and says, okay, I've achieved such and such. Why don't I sit and enjoy? It? And the minute I'm back home, I'm bored. I'm like, shit, I got to get something done. I got to be at it, you know? And, and I'm competitive and I'm listening to everybody. And I'm like, I could do this better than you, uh, you know. I mean, it's that. It is so annoying, you know. I'm, I just can't stop. I, yeah. I might need therapy to, to to stop. To be honest,
3: with you. how how long does that window last before you you sort of accepted your boredom and you want to just you know crack on? Uh,
1: no, because I find something to do that is exciting. It's and that's why I keep I keep changing and doing things. You know, what I mean, it's like, and I I think of the most random thing. You know, like. Like, I'm sure when everybody saw me and Sting was here, you know, it was like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> I mean, but just the fact that y'all said, "What the fuck?" was what excited me. And then I found a kindred spirit. Like he is the same fucking way. He's like, "Yeah, oh yeah, we, oh they don't think this is gonna work. They don't even know what this is about. Let's do it." You know I mean, we're we're so fired up, you know. And I just put out a uh, recently this Christmas, I put out a. Um, a Christmas dance song. Um, I'm seeing everybody from Mariah Carey. And I was like, yo, I'm gonna put on a dance song. Christmas record. And I put it out and everybody looking at me all strange like, what the fuck is he doing? Are they gonna be playing Bounty Killer in the middle of on Christmas Day on the fucking tree? You know, is this really gonna happen? Yes, it did. <laughs> and they loved it. You know what I mean? And people were looking at me like, yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> No piece of that we not gonna celebrate it just because big sounds trim up in other land. Everybody out the road, you see them dance and not carry on. Me and my friend I beat a case again. Christmas time we have a change and we are spinning. Everything we push to the limit. One life we have on this Christmas, we are gonna live it. We got them trees So it's things like that that I do. It streamed well, it did well, and I'm like, you know or or I come out with bananas and people look like what the banana the old banana. and oh it's a billion streams you know yeah. so it's always things i find things to excite me other than that i'm bored i like, never uh, get bored of me before i get bored of me by the way
2: and right right so, right yeah. uh, <laughs> but how are you how, how do you obviously like if you're creatively driven to do something new which you're constantly i mean you've had so many albums now like 13 12 13 albums is it I, and then not I even I don't even count so, albums no more, man. I just go. so so. Do you have when you put that stuff out? Are you putting it out thinking, well, I've made this and I'm happy with it. So that's all I had to get from this. Or do you then? I mean, you talked about how many streams you're getting and stuff. Does that does that affect you? Is that part of the goal process to see how well it does? I'm mean, this great. greatness. Fuck yeah! I want to I want to be competitive.
1: You know what I mean? And if 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 I take my losses like that too. Like if I put out something and it didn't quite connect, you know, I take that L and move it from loss to lesson. Okay. And uh-huh. I analyze it thoroughly. I'm like, okay, what did I do wrong here? What was I missing? You know? And I take that into whatever else is goal. But that's part of the process that like losing also is part of the process because it's not boring to lose. I'm I'm allergic to boredom. That's my problem. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So even losing is not boring. It's it's worrisome, it's risky, it's gets your pulse going, it gets your palms sweaty, it gets it's not boring, it's nerve-wracking <laughs> you know at times. Yeah,
2: you
1: know, but it is not boring. I am I do not want boredom. I don't like boredom. Cause life is short. This moment we're having between you and me, we'll never have again. So we gotta the worst thing somebody could do do to you is waste your time.
2: Yeah, yeah that's worse than so,
1: taking money from you
2: <laughs> but it is it is possible that you make a record you put it out it doesn't do well but that's not because the record wasn't good that's because you were ahead of your time or it was do you know what i mean the moment was different or whatever right i mean that that is a possibility uh,
1: right? shaggy the, the, yeah the record is never not good yeah. <laughs> What the fuck are we talking about here? Yeah, <laughs> I made lemonade with fucking lime, bro. Come on. <laughs> the fuck out of here, yo. <laughs> you know, I, I, I made a number one record in 1993 in a genre that didn't exist on radio with old Carolina. And it became a fucking earworm to you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then and then it was like, oh, he's a one-it-one, he'll never do it again. And I came with another one called Boom Basting, which was another fucking <laughs> earworm. And it was the first time in the history of Dance All or Reggae that it debuted at number one in the British chart. And I did it two, three times after that. Again, gave Angel, It Wasn't Me, right? And, and the Hotshot album all debuted at number one. Dude, you don't make this shit up. I'm good at this shit. You don't want to see me <laughs> kick a ball, though. <laughs> you do not want to see me kick a ball. I can tell you that. You know what I mean? I'm not going to balance my checkbook good. I can tell you that straight out. Like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But when it comes to writing a song and making this shit and doing this music shit, I know this shit.
2: <laughs> so we're uh, we're obviously a hip hop podcast. And one of the things I wanted to, to ask you about was what you think about the relationship with like between dancehall and hip with regards to toasting and rapping and stuff like that. And is that? Part of the thing that's made made you a hip hop fan, or do you do you see the connections between those two, or do you think do you see them as completely disparate? What's your take on that? It's funny, you know, because hip hop. Um, I mean, you know the
1: history. I'm not telling you. You're a hip hop dude, so you know the history of of of, of hip hop coming from the origins of dancehall with Cool Herc and all of that out of the Bronx. Okay, yeah. so we know that story, you know, but but what a lot of people might not want to admit um, is that. Dancehall records became popular on mainstream radio, based on hip hop remixes or hip hop mm. uh, fusions or hybrids, so to say, so to speak, of dancehall. I mean, if you listen to some when this, when songs started to chart, like a Shabarankin, Slow slower, sexy, or or um, Maxi Priest um, House Call. Or any of these songs, Mister Loverman. Those drums are hip hop drums. If yeah. you listen to it, wasn't me. It's a hip hop beat. The only reggae on that or dancehall and that shit is me saying. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's it's the dialect of dancehall.
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: So there's an incredible marriage between dancehall and hip hop, and I was in New York. Uh, out of flat was doing dance all at the time. So I was heavily influenced by hip hop, you know? Special Ed went to Rasmus Hall with me. You know, I knew uh, Dougie Fresh very well. I was a big fan. Slick Grip was Jamaican. So a lot of Jamaicans really bought into what Slick Rick was doing at the time. LL Cool J was right there in, in Queens, not very far. It all came out of that that whole vibe. You know what I'm saying? So the influence is definitely there and but but it works both ways because a lot again you know the hip-hop the whole starting of hip-hop with cooler came from toasting uh which is a dancehall thing which which was the origins of 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 dancehall
2: and there was like a time wasn't there like you're talking about with uh when dancehall and hip-hop but you know there were so many dancehall hip-hop crossover tunes and stuff do you mean like. There, there were there were there were dancehall artists that hip hop fans were listening to. Like you know, you think about like Super Cat was like so massive on the hip hop scene, and Absolutely. you know, get around. Like, yeah, exactly, her. yeah, yeah. Sometimes
1: some of summer, them are rally back, we are road boy, you're a no take back the chat. Sometimes some of summer, them are rally back, but we are road boy, you're we no take back the chat. You full a big chat you, and can defend that if a dealer's you come from, with sending your go back. You full a big chat you, and can defend that if a Bellevue you come from, we're sending your go back. Salam Remy remixed that, you know, yeah. and even and even tour by Caperton,
2: which was done by Little John. When yeah, he, yeah, he, yeah. So, but yeah. that. But that Caperton was like Funkmaster Flex played that and it was like big in hip-hop clubs that they would, mm-hmm. that they would drop tour. So Massive. It, tunnel but, played that
1: shit regular.
2: Yeah. Yeah, Inter- yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're definitely intertwined. I think, you know, they've they, they yeah. got a close relationship.
1: Here's a little bit that you like to pull. How did you get into
2: hip-hop? What, what was the earliest sort of hip-hop you got into? What was the album that brought you in? Uh, when I was in high school, Lottie Dottie from Slick Rick,
1: was the anthem in my school.
0: You know what, your peep is lardy-dardy. We
3: like the party. We don't cause trouble.
1: We don't bother nobody. We're just some men that's on the mic. And when we rock up on the mic, we rock the mic, right? For all of y'all,
0: keeping y'all
3: in hell Just to see you smile and enjoy yourself Cause it's cool when you cause that cozy, cozy condition And uh,
1: that we create Cause that's our mission So listen uh, to what we say Because this type of shit, it happens every day I woke up It just dominated, you know, it was an, an urban thing It was every kid, Sleep Creek was like, or God mm. And then he came with the great adventures of, of slickrick Creek And that album mesmerized me I, I was just taken on a journey when he says like bedtime stories or any of these joints. I was taken on a journey, a lyrical journey that was uh, cinematic in a way, because he wrote cinematic. You know, these were these were stories that was relatable to you as a kid hustling in Brooklyn at the time, you know, and doing everything possible to get you arrested. And if you didn't, you were lucky.
0: Once upon a time
3: not long ago When people wore pajamas and lived life slow Where laws were stern and justice stood And people were behaving like they ought to good There lived a little boy who was misled By another little boy and this is what he said Me and you tonight we're gonna make some cash Robbing old folks and making the dance
1: they did the job So, um, he yeah, he was one of my first And then, you know, I got into like Chuck Rock was another thing You know, when he came to that one record I, I, I loved that uh, a lot of Brooklyn MCs you know what I mean like L.L. was dope but got my radio a couple of joints were from L.L. for me you know what I mean and then he started going into the lick your lips type of <laughs> thing.
3: that's what the L.L. stands for
1: yeah the lick a lip type of chick chick records and now at that point I was like alright I'm done with this shit you know what I mean but <laughs> you, know, we, you know, but I like him when he was like that battle MC when he was like, like that dude like when he was going against uh, what was that guy they went against Mama say knock you out. What was, that? what was that? What was that? He was beefing with, um, Kumo D.
2: Yeah. Yes, that's right. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: yeah. I, I like, I like that element. And then after that, there's, there's a bunch of people that in, in hip hop run DMC of, obviously,
3: you know were, know. were any of those guys starting to inspire you to get into, into music or like into as a performer or we not, we not even thinking about that then?
1: I would say Slick Rick would be the closest to that, you know, because mm-hmm. I just really admired him. But, you know, Dancehall at that time was in a whole little world. I was in I was in a melting pot of New York. You know, I came from Jamaica where Yellow Man was, you know, I saw him for the first time at Skateland La- Skate and in Affle-Tree, Kingston, and just thought to myself, that's what I want to be. Mm-hmm. He walked into a party. Uh, he got there like about 12.31 in the morning, and he sang by... Three songs and walked out, and the whole party left with him. <laughs> and I was like, "What the fuck? Who is this?" Yeah. And he was this albino guy, and his presence was so amazing. And and it made me what I am because I keep telling artists now that our dancehall artists that you can't be a star; you have to be a superstar. So you need to have superhero-like talent because it's not a level playing field. You're in a genre that's only 6% of, of, of the market share right now in dance hall. Yeah. You know, you're, you're it's not, not going to get the marketing money from labels. You're not going to get radio trying to play you. You're not going to get so the only way you're going to break through is you're going to have to have superhero-like talents, you know? And that's what Shabarangs was. That's what, uh, you know, Yellow Man was and Sean Paul and myself. We had superhero-like talents, you know? It's our presence, it's our, our work ethic, it's, it's, it's mastering the craft, it's charisma, it's all of that. You have to have all of that in one package. Mm. And that is rare. People put groups together like Spice Girl to get that shit going or, you know, take that, I don't know, what an to get that shit in one person. And if you think about Yellow Man, that this guy was an albino guy in the early 80s that made the world stop and take notice to where cbs wanted to sign him and shit like that in a genre that wasn't even played on radio this guy was a superhero you know he had superhero-like talents it's it's just it's incredible to me so a lot of that i pulled i I pulled from those guys you know and took it into what i was doing in brooklyn to try and get my own genre going Mm -hmm. and you know out of that, we, you know, we created dancehall and had a New
2: York movement out of uh, a dancehall movement out of New York. When you talk about Slick Rick being a big influence on you, the thing about I think Slick Rick, that storytelling thing was was incredible. But I think one of the things that um, that's true of Slick Rick that isn't true of a lot of uh, of guys that are around in the area, Slick Rick truly does sound timeless like you know even when yes. slick rick even if you listen to his his old stuff now from that album it's yeah. it stands up to the test of time obviously the production is different mm-hmm. but like when you hear whenever you hear a record but even the production is timeless because it's yeah, still enjoyable yes of course yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah i mean you're yeah. not they're they're not bad you're not listening that going this is a bad record this is like yeah. they, this is a yeah. classic but yeah. like but him him and himself whenever he's brought out onto a tune with with modern MCs, he's still yes. he still sounds like in candle. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? There's no issues. But yeah, Slick Rick is just a timeless artist, you
3: know. He, he uh, also is also a
1: bit ahead of his time in the sort of showmanship, wasn't he? Totally ahead of his time. Oh, pro, yeah. He totally know, but... ahead of his time. The thing about Rick Slick Rick that blew, that blows my mind is I look at Slick Rick like Muhammad Ali. You never got to see him in his prime. Mm. Like Muhammad Ali in his prime didn't fight. He was banned. Mm. So you got him at the greatest, the of all time, yes. But you only got a piece of him. Circumstances make we didn't witness him at his prime. We didn't witness Slick Rick at his time, at his prime. Mm. But what literally gave us was so fucking magnificent. You know, it's like Biggie. Like mm. we said to ourselves, another great. It's like, damn. Imagine if we never got to see Biggie. We never got to see the greatness of Biggie. You know. We could arguably hear say that Jay or Nas or any of these guys are, are some of the greatest of all time. But really though, yeah. What if you know? what I'm saying that's how I look at the shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like 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 Big L. Yeah,
3: correct. Like
1: imagine if Big L didn't die.
2: What the fuck, bro? You know uh, what I'm saying? I know. that's well, just me. Yeah, no, but I totally agree with you. I mean, like you, you listen to you listen to Big L. And you think some of the flows and stuff was just so insane, right? It was so incredible. The Check it
1: out, yo. Why y'all standing on the corner, bugging and high? I'm out buying the finest things money can buy. Cats fronting like they hold it, but the crabs is broke. Chipping in for ten dollar bags of smoke, all on my back because of the fame and the wealth. You melt goopy, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. Plus I'm running with dogs who are slugs with the heat. I be the MC who mad chicks be loving the meat. and I'm not just a rapper. I got drugs on the street. I swear you never catch Coley on lugs on his feet. If you think I'm not nice to whoever, then put your money up. Put the juice up, whatever. Put your honey up, put your raggedy... Ahead of his time.
2: Yeah, and he, and he and he was only gonna get better. Do you know what I mean? Like it's just like He was just starting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah
1: you know what I'm saying? <laughs> My God, bro. So I, I look at Slick Rick like that. You know what I mean? He, you know, he was locked up at, in his prime. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of dudes in jail saying, dude, you fucked up. <laughs> I could imagine me being in jail. Being in the yard and watching Slip Rick just go out lyrics, and and I'd be in there looking at him I'm like, Man, you fucked up. <laughs> 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 and I'm glad he's out and he's, you know, he's doing very well and he's amazing and got his family and all that. But man, you know, have you ever wanted to work with him or had the opportunity to work with him? You know, funny enough, I've never met, him. like, I've met Dougie many times. I'm friends with Doug,
3: mm.
1: uh, but I've never met Slip, and I've, mm. I've been a f- I was actually a fan of Slick before I was even a fan of, of Doug, you know, because Slick, you know, it, you know, the Jamaican background, the whole shit. You know what I mean? I was just like, I was he was a hero of mine. And I think I shared that with Snoop too. You know, I met Snoop a couple of times and, you know, and I was having conversations. You know, Snoop had him as a big, a, a big, it's a big deal.
2: You mentioned uh Biggie there. Uh was Biggie somebody you're a massive fan of, I take it. Uh, he was my next
1: greatest mm, yeah. after that. You taking him? Oh, you going for something? It's hard drive. Oh, okay. Let's just hard drive over there. Sorry, man. So good. No, 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 no. <laughs> I got up my studio, I got a full house of people cranking tunes out every night. So it's, you know, we have more than one studios in here. So it's is one that,
3: of that. Is that your house? Is that or are you, are you uh
1: this is this is a house I have in Brook in, in um in New York that it's only for music. I don't my kids are not here, my wife are, I don't live here. I live in Kingston, Jamaica and a, you know, wife, kids, and dogs, but this is just music. I've written every, I've done every single song, almost every song that I've, that I've hit with in this room. Wasn't me, Angel, all these songs were done in this. um, very, Recorded and mixed in this very room. And I've had this since 1996. And um, a lot of people have come in and use it and, you know, Sting's been here. Everybody's been here. And, you know, it's, it's just a spot. So my son, is uh, he's doing his album now and, and finishing up on some work. So they were here for like the whole week, back to back, just doing their thing.
2: What uh, what is your son's uh, album? What what kind of uh, genre? He's hip hop. It's Rob Banks. I don't know if you heard of Rob Banks. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I did did, did put it together. Okay, I'm in uh...
1: in tune, man. I'm in tune. I'm not, you
2: know. No, mate. Listen, we had no. Listen, your fingers very firmly on the pulse, man. I can see that. Absolutely.
3: (laughs)
2: So you listen to Slick Rick, you listen to people like that, and then who did you go on to listen to after that? You talk about Biggie. Biggie, yeah, uh, yeah. Was that your kind of your favorite? Was he your favorite?
1: Uh, Biggie to this day, I think, will we'll, I would class as my favorite rapper of all time. Mm. Again, another guy that was ahead of his time and lyrically was just genius, and of course Jamaican. So, yeah. <laughs> It all plays a part, yeah.
3: What do you think he'd be doing now if he was still around? Do you think what what do you think his journey would have been in the last fifteen years or whatever it is? I think that guy
1: really loved rapping. Mm. He liked it, yeah. and it was he liked to rhyme. Uh, I think he would have still been a force to be reckoned with. Um, a lot of that would would have depended on whether him and Puffy uh, stayed friends, because I I did think as as dope as he was, Puffy was a driving force. Yeah. In um, him, I mean, I used to be at. Uh, there was a studio called um, that we we all used to rehearse out of called uh, Rocket Studio in New York. And we were there with Devante and and Casey and Jody. I'm Jody's at the time, Mary and all of us. And we would be out of the other room with me and Maxi Priest, and, and you know just how how driven Puffy was. At that time, he wasn't even Puff as we know, and he was working for Andre Harrell, and he was a, a young A&R and. Just the drive of that guy, man, it was is is insane. You know what I mean? And um so I think he was very much a very big driving force and why Biggie was that successful, as much as he's talented. So provided they stayed together, I think he would have been an incredible force to be
2: reckoned with. Cause he because there was a definitely a change between ready to die and life after death in terms of like the sound, right? It was like yeah. it was. He said it the best. He said, I can't talk. He said, I can't talk about what I talk about in Ready to Die.
1: I ain't broke no more. <laughs> I mean, he said it. You know, he, yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? He yeah. said, I'm talking about pussy and living rich right now. That's all it is. I, you know, I can't. He said it. He yeah. gave you the disclaimer. He said it in an interview. He was like, yo, man, you know, I can't talk about that shit. I got to be realistic. You know, what am I going to talk about being on the block? I'm not on the block. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you got to rate his honesty, bro. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He said yeah. it. There was a difference.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, do, do you think if he'd have stayed with Puff, he would have ended up becoming like a? Because a lot of people talk about what Jay Z's career would have been if Biggie was around, right? Because for, for obvious reasons. But like, but Biggie was like big. He seemed to be all about the, all about the music, and and Puff was kind of taking care of the business side of things. It felt like. Whereas Jay Z is a bit more kind of he, he was a bit more across that side of things as well, right? I honestly think
1: that Jay would have still be Jay. Yeah. There was no stopping Jay-Z. Yeah. You know, they, the two would have had to coexist for different reasons. And and, and if you ask me as MC-wise, Jay-Z and Biggie, they're two different entities. They're two different styles, two different type of MCs. You know, Biggie, gave, Biggie was closer to a slick Rick because he was also a storyteller, you know? And his melodies and his flows were just so prolific. Jay made you think. Do you get what I'm saying? So if yeah. Biggie's telling you, give me the loot, mm-hmm. it's a movie you're watching. It's like a straight out dope ass movie you're watching and you know, and the ending and it's, and it's, it's a great story. Jay is going to give you like, like, I'll give it to you. Biggie is New Jack Swing, Jay's Inception, in movie terms. Yeah. Like, when you watch Inception, you sit there trying to figure out, oh, I got to watch it a couple times to kind of figure out what the fuck he was saying here or, yeah. or how that shit. You, you know, New Jack Swing, you know what the fuck? You are entertained, but, oh, okay, you're entertained, but you could, you know, you ain't got to think about it. The shit is just entertaining, it's in there. Yeah. The movie, you know what I mean? Yeah, you, you know what's happening, you know what I'm saying? What, yeah. what movie is Shaggy? why you gotta come with a fucking question that made me think, man? <laughs> <laughs> we can
3: edit it so it looks like you can have we can edit it together. So there's no, there's no
1: pause. <laughs> Mine would be Shawshank Redemption. Go on. Because it's, it's so many things that make that guy. It's almost as if he was being a good guy and just couldn't catch a break, didn't catch a break. And he kept doing all these things and ended up in the worst situations and just started thinking and made himself, got himself out of it. Yeah. To paradise. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's that's how I look at my my situation that I've been because you gotta understand I I I don't think people will understand what it is for an artist like you weren't even accepted at home. Do you get what I'm saying? It's like when I came to Carolina, it was like, oh, yeah, he's not he's not Jamaican.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, he's not he doesn't look like Jamaican. I'm like, okay, what does a fucking Jamaican look like? You know, it's like you know. They expected me to have dreadlocks and smoke weed, and and I wasn't any of that. You know, I'm saying I still don't smoke weed, and I still don't drink. And I mean, it's it's like shit like that. And so when I when I came, if you remember, in 1993, everyone said I was the big, it was a wanted wonder. When I came out with Boom Bastard, it says uh, this guy is not worth the vinyl is being pressed on, but yet still it became became a massive record. You know, it's shit like that. And then I for us, they played you because they had to. Hmm. It wasn't because Monday morning we're sitting down and says, hey, okay, let's put some money behind this reggae guy and blow him up. He <laughs> was like, no, why would you? You know I mean? it's like, show me one that has worked before him. You know what I mean? He's like, dance all, what is that? You know what I mean? So it's 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 that, where you keep getting a hit and you keep going and going until you find a way out and then you start mastering it after a while, you know? So just off the top of my head, I would say a Shawshank Redemption.
3: It's a good answer.
1: Yeah. But, if I think about it more, I probably come up with a different answer. But thanks for that little uh, curveball there. Yeah.
2: Well, you know, it's, uh, we're just trying to have a trying to have a relaxed conversation. that Rupert's yeah. phoning an absolute just doing my job worldy of a question. Uh, <laughs> well, about well, Rummish, what film are you? Oh, don't mate, I can't. I'm joking. can't I can't. I'm <laughs> I can't. Um, I'd be like um, Avengers End Game. There you go. Avengers End Game. Yeah. Okay. You know, sort of. Sort of uh, superheroes again.
3: See, legends, <laughs> legends, <laughs>
1: legends. Yes, tons of legends.
2: What do you think of? Uh, what do you think of how hip hop has progressed? There's lots of there's lots of people that, that feel like there's a disconnect between that sort of lineage that you're talking about and, and where hip-hop is now and there's other people that think that's bullshit. I mean, what's your kind of take on, on how hip-hop's progressed and where, it, where it's come to now? If we're talking about the craft of it,
1: yeah, um, there's, a, there's a huge difference from hip-hop as we know it and hip-hop that's today. Like, if you listen, if you put a, a current hip-hop record with a 90s hip-hop record, or a 2000 hip hop record beside each other. It's a vast difference. It's almost yep. like a different genre. But if you put a 90s hip hop with like a 80s hip hop, it's not too far. You could, it's kind of, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so yeah. now it's, it's, it's at a, a place now where it's like, wow, I, I could get why most hip hop heads would not feel this new shit. And a lot of them will not transcend to the new shit. But with this generation that's here now, what I like about them is that they are, they have now cracked into it to where they are making bank that only white pop music or rock music could have made at that time. Mm. They're making top tier money compared to what it used to be. Yeah. Now, how smart they are in investing and—and and is to be seen. Because I see a lot of dumb shit happening, you know what I'm saying? And you got people like jay and these guys who were trying to you know spit knowledge because that four four album point four or whatever the fuck it was yeah wasn't really an album he didn't do that for entertainment he just did that to school motherfuckers <laughs> <laughs> yeah because because he had some tea that we needed to know you know and he just kind of put that shit out there and say okay little youngins y'all motherfuckers need to listen to this if this is your playbook <laughs> you know what i'm saying that's what I thought it was. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um it, there was nothing about it that was entertaining, you know. Yeah. And we know Jay, you are talk, talking Jay, 7 Summers of fucking party records and shit. Yeah. Come on. Uh, I mean I this, know, this
2: is, yeah, this is and this was like an, an album of self-reflection and and and, and putting himself oh, out he, there in a way that we'd never seen before,
1: right? Oh, oh, clearly just from that album. Oh, he just came out of uh out of um, Uh, out of uh, what you call it when you go in for out of therapy (laughs) yeah (laughs) clearly clearly you just came out of some shalom shit you know (laughs) ayahuasca type shit whatever the fuck he was going through clearly at that point that's what happened when you listen to the album. Mm -hmm. but he was spending some shit that you should do and i i I, I found myself playing it back last year and and finding new shit that he was saying in there that was like okay wow dope you know what i'm saying and it and a lot of what he was saying was coming coming to play and a lot of these younger artists because they're in their prime they have an opportunity to actually put themselves into 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 a position to create generational wealth and pass pass yeah. on some greatness you know and so that's what I like about where the music is now I, I, I would I credit it to entirely to them maybe not I don't I don't know you know maybe nas and jay and a lot of them had a lot to do in paving the way and, and, and breaking down these barriers, but they're certainly in the position to gain. I mean, you look at, and, and you look at what Drake is doing right now is, he's, he's phenomenal. The guy's like, you know, that's a superhero if you've ever seen one. That's this guy's, yeah. he just, he ain't even Jesus. He's just the almighty God. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know, you gotta tip your hat to him, man. He's, he's, he's doing his thing. And, and do you listen to all of that stuff I mean are you still across it absolutely
1: yeah. I listen to shit that I don't even like <laughs> because it's hot and I, I I take it and I break it down and I analyze it and I find out okay why is it that everybody likes this
2: mm, yeah
1: and then I then I start to analyze myself and why is it I am not liking it mm, yeah and I okay. use that as an inspiration to create a hybrid version of whatever the fuck I'm coming with that's off the wall and weird and people like what the fuck is I give
2: yeah yeah me what's your take on like um with regards to these new artists what a lot of a lot of like old like older or old school hip-hop heads whatever your golden era hip-hop heads whatever you want to call it they sort of feel like these guys aren't giving due deference to to what's come before them and other people just think well why should they this their new doesn't why should they give a shit i mean do you have do you have a, a view on that it's a generational thing. I don't yeah. think it's. I don't think it's a hip hop thing
1: or a, you know a black thing or a white thing or any of that. It's just a generational thing. These this new generation, they're so on their device. They learn everything from their device. You know they don't even go back into history. History, mm-hmm. history is his story. Now that has nothing to do with me. That's how they look at yeah it. Mm-hmm. his story. Yeah, fuck yeah. That. <laughs> yeah, I'm building my story. You know and um. That's how they look at it. We admired people before us. That's how we got on, and then we went through the whole situation of leg work and traveling from continents and sleeping in buses uh, uh, and and playing bars and doing all of this shit. To when it got to you, you, you appreciated it and you appreciated what who had done it before you. You know, yeah. now it's now it's on your device. Mm. Yeah, and now it's. You know, now it's, hey, you know, that's promo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I think the, the level of work um, to get to where they are, they, they're making money way too quick. Way, well, I wouldn't say too quick, but they're making a lot of money really quick. And there's not a lot of work that is put into it for them to appreciate the type of money. So losing it is is going to be just like, okay, yeah, I can make more. And then they're going to have a rude awakening when they realize that, oh, it doesn't go, really go, you can't just make more just like that because everything is for a time. I mean, you got to admit, these songs are, of this generation, are probably some of the most short-lived songs, will probably some of the most short-lived songs of all time.
3: Mm, it's
1: true. I was talking to one of the top producers and they said, he was actually tripping on, like, Wasn't Me and Bombastic. And he and I played him some song. He's like, "Dude, all your songs are like sinks." That's what he said. They're like sinks, you know. You, I hear them like ego commercial, you know. And I was like, "Oh, okay, wow, oh, great," because that's kind of how I made them. Because <laughs> I want the shit to live on, you know. And he's yeah. like, "Yeah, you gotta. If I get one of those, I'm good." Because the shelf life of most hip hop songs that we do is fourteen days. Wow. I was like, "This this is fucking impossible. There's no way." And then I went and researched it you know, from people who are analytic people who, you know, in the record company that I'm dealing with, obviously because I'm in the game and they're like, yeah, they're normally about two weeks and then they come off, should do high and they fall off. And I'm like, wow. Okay. You know, and they're, you're going to have a very few of them that are going to be really classic because, mm. and it, especially with Spotify now, it just comes in quickly and go. It's, it's all about feeding the algorithm. You know, it's, yeah. it's feeding that beast. So it is. It's 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 really quantity over quality these days. Just, just uh, keep it, the algorithm
2: up. But then, it, so does that is that you can understand then why people are just churning stuff out there. But then, if if they are doing that, it then means when you do have artists uh, like, for example, your Kendrick's or people like that who who are spending a long time sort of crafting something that they want to last for a long time, it yeah. makes that much more. It makes that even more impressive than it would have otherwise been. Oh, absolutely. Uh, there's gonna be the few that do it, you know what I mean? Yeah. But then there
1: are some people who crank him out pretty quick, like Drake, and he normally cranks out some good shit. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and that's why he's God. <laughs> you go know, you go. Know what I'm saying? Because he'll do some shit that is okay, the streets is fucked with, but then it's a commercially successful record. Now we could look at Future and say, okay, Future got more street shit, but he doesn't have as much commercially successful record as Drake's. Yeah. As Drake does. You know what I'm saying? And so when it's all said and done in years to pass, you're going to have that core fan that's going to buy into that Future record that that's their shit because they're a fan. Mm-hmm. But the people who are not really fans, but they're going to be jamming to your shit because it was that popular. You're not going to have those guys. Yeah. You know, yeah. like I get I get a lot of fans who were not shaggy fans, but they were fans of Wasn't Me. Mm. <laughs> and then they became shaggy fans because Wasn't Me has taken a life of its own and lived on to, you know, we just got word this morning that we were like number one Super Bowl ad last night with Cheetos mm. on yeah. that song. So so for me, I got tons of people who were rooting for me or on my shit right now probably necessarily never listened to a shaggy record and they're going back at it now mm. because of this song that was such a commercial success you know Drake will be one of those guys that even if you didn't listen to Drake or like Drake you're gonna fuck with it because one of these songs that you know started from the bottom now we up or whatever the fuck it is you know, I mean, one of them is gonna fucking be like oh shit I remember that jack.
0: started from the bottom now we here started from the bottom now my whole team fucking here started from the bottom now we here Started from the bottom, not a whole team here. Nigga, started from the bottom, not a whole team fucking here. I done kept it real from the jump. Living at
1: my mama's house, we'd argue every month, nigga. I was trying to get it on my own. Working all night, traffic on the way home. And my uncle calling me like, where at? So it's good to have those songs that happen across the board. It's cool you could just have them just happen on the ground and you make mad money. Or you happen just urban or... You know, it doesn't cross over to where it's. it's I mean, we could arguably say that Jay Z's first number one record globally was Empire State of Mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, and and look at where he was when he did that record. He was already an incredibly established guy, but really, Empire State of Mind was really what got him mm. global. And that's because Alicia Keys was already global. Because mm. let's face it, I used to be in England. and Jay coming was a niche thing. You know, he was he was Jay. Mm. You know, he had these these records, and, but he was hip hop. When when he got Empire State of Mind, he was he became pop. Yeah, yeah. I thought he I thought he was pop when he did Annie. <laughs> it's a hard night <laughs> life, but <laughs> but <laughs> Empire State of Mind really did it for glowing. Yeah, because I was I was doing a circuit that time, and I was in you know Istanbul and these places, and him and I did a show together in in Warsaw. Was it Warsaw or no, Krakow together? And I remember all of that shit. You know what I mean? Or going to Southeast Asia. This shit was huge in Southeast Asia. <laughs> Empire State of Mind. You know, Jay was playing in them places. You know what I mean? Before that. Hmm. Yeah. So having these commercially big records, yeah, man, that's that that's that's
2: where you should look at. Did you find that? Because obviously, Oh Carolina was a was a a, a monster. A boom yeah. bastic was a monster. <laughs> Is that was that was that a blessing. And a curse for you in terms of like, you know, you talk about Drake. Drake can have hit, now now we're in a culture climate where Drake can have hit after hit that doesn't really impact upon his credibility. Whereas you you were coming out at a time when, you know, it, it, you talk about in hip hop terms, yeah. if you were super big, people like I, I sold same, out. Yeah, that yeah, yeah, sad. exactly. Yeah. So yeah. so did you did you struggle with that? Did you struggle with the, the Absolute the whole absolutely?
1: It was it was a big. That's
2: so why I said I was in love at home. I would go to Jamaica and I would sing
1: these songs and people stand up and look at me. Um, but I also did some research and realized that I was in good company. There was another artist that faced the same thing, and that artist's name was Bob Marley. Yeah. Where in, in Jamaica, they didn't really revere him as this king of reggae that he is these days. Mm. Because he was just ahead of his time. And I, I think that's where I was. I was doing these hybrid type of reggae songs and I did them because they were hybrid. I did them because I wanted to be different. And um, but they didn't resonate with Purist. But if you there's a documentary on YouTube right now with Bob Marley and Chris Blackwell and all of them where they explained how they did the Whalers music, where they hired session musicians to overdub it so they could get on rock radio. <laughs> which is so which is so weird that those recordings, very recordings are now the blueprint of what Reggae music is. Yeah. You know, so I had to I had to get into that headspace because it, it, it would have it, if I didn't get into that headspace, it would have tore me down, you know, because I, I ended up leaving out of pop music and went back and did a song called Churchy, which was a hardcore dancehall record that became massive, you know, and I know I was going to get pop radio or anything like that. But I did. And I was 19 weeks at number one. It dominated dancehall and then I thought I was in and realized that they just like the song, that was the fucking movie. me. You know what I mean? Me church a slum so sister from who tell me everything about the congregation sister and still asleep with the mini boss man but it was a door open. I did other things like I did my charities in Jamaica and then obviously the audience came around and now I'm I'm that guy. You know, I'm just you know where where all Jamaicans are embrace me and, and the core embrace me and, and I'm now quote unquote legend or whatever you call it you know what I'm saying but it took that journey mm. you know and I had to put myself in that headspace and I and I even went came out and just did an all reggae album because they were saying your crossover I did a out of many one music with me and Sly and Robbie and I used every authentic dance or I mean reggae artist that I know to, to feature with me from Damian Marley to obviously Sly and Robbie and Barris Hammond and all of this and, and I wrote these songs and the record was successful and we had two massive hits out of it, Underground, of course, because, you know, those weren't pop records. And I realized that when I did that album, that even though it was successful and I did well and I, I toured, I realized I wasn't making as much money as the pop records. And I was like, man, I don't like this shit. I need to get out of, get out of this fucking lane. <laughs> uh, I get I get it, you know, I, I, you know, I get the credibility part of it, but fuck that you know, I, I, I like nice things <laughs> I gotta get out I went and I wrote another song called I Need Your Love and I
0: need your love I need your
1: love <laughs> I say yeah I'll yeah, I fuck with this pop money <laughs> <laughs> I learned really really quick you know you keep it <laughs> keep it real or keep it broke yeah. <laughs> And I teach this to all my, my upcoming reggae acts. I'm like, dude, you know, do a balance, you know, do a balance. Yeah. Do you do a little of both, you know what I'm saying? Because you're here to get that money, you know what I mean? Yeah. And create generational wealth. and Because there's, you know, there's no pension plan in this shit, man. You create your own pension.
2: Well, look, we're almost out of time here, but I wanted to ask you, what are you listening to at the moment? What's, uh, what you got? I listen to a lot of old shit. Like I'm 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 I'm
1: listening to some Bill Withers. I'm listening I'm listening to like some old Dennis Brown as of lately too. Like, you know, I've been going back on on some some shit, you know. But I listen to everything. I got a little bit of a a little bit of a guilty pleasure. Yeah, go on. <laughs> this is the first time I'm saying this to anywhere publicly, by the way.
3: This is a safe, this is a safe space, so don't worry.
1: Yeah, right, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs>
3: We won't use this for the publicity of the podcast. Um,
2: I'm a a Miley Cyrus fan, man. Yeah, I fucked with Miley. How did this? How did this happen? I don't mean that in a you've been in an accident way. I just mean. (laughs) (laughs) How did that come about? I I just I like
1: her the songs she makes. The songs she makes as an artist and her artistry and her don't give a fuck attitude, and it's almost. It's almost like your modern-day Madonna, in a way. Hmm. Um, if
2: I have a dream person to bring into dancehall, it would be Miley Cyrus. Um, I mean, the the set of circumstances yeah. that have led the Hip Hop Save My Life <laughs> podcast to reveal exclusively <laughs> that Shaggy wants to bring Miley Cyrus into dancehall, I mean, it's, it's like the stars of a line man. That's like next-level shit.
3: You could do a remake of Shawshank Redemption together. <laughs> <laughs>
2: But I
1: li- I'm, listen- I'm listening to her now. I'm listening to uh, um a lot of shit. I, you know that I'm that I'm. I'm listening to a lot of joints. Um, um I like the baby. I like. I, I listen to baby. I'm listening to the baby also.
2: He's um, uh he's unbelievable. Like that that he can write a catchy. I mean, you talk about sort of huge like catchy. That's, yeah, that that's a guy that will would, would has the ability to make those global pop records. Yeah, yeah, but also. Also, lyrically, can can spin, right? There's no doubt about that, right? No doubt. Been over, then I'm working. gonna if you want your birth. Oh, baby, you be lying your verses.
1: I be here and say you buying a purse. I can't even lie, you ain't my tight, you ain't even know that's fine in person.
0: I can guarantee you if you my kind, she got every bad you can imagine. Big house, I can really be bragging. Hundred thousand in my mouth, like was had, and not the big cheap tea that's embarrassing. He ain't me, you can keep it in
1: Paris. My bitch probably won under bad. Good girl, turn into a sad. This bet got a problem in traffic. We can't do it, imagine she wagging. Low key, I've been keeping it. If cool. you ask anybody, and baby's babies, you know, just try would be loving him way more than the baby, yeah, yeah. you know? I mean, we're talking about a lot of babies here, but, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I like them both, to be honest with you. But, I, I, you know, I just see the baby has the potential to be, you know, that guy if he, you know, mm-hmm. if he plays his cards right, because the type of music that he's making just from my ear.
2: Well look man, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it's been a real pleasure. Um what what uh, what can what can we look out for from you? What are you working on? What we what's am, the new stuff am, you working on.
1: I am for? I have to take this down. Okay. So this is
2: see it. What does it say? Yeah. Spice. Yeah.
1: Don't 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 say that loud, let people hear you. <laughs> you might you might get some some hate mail from some of her fans. Spice is uh, the biggest dancehall female artist. Uh, She's on love and hip hop in in America. Also, I thought
2: that no, I didn't. I know who Spice is. I (laughs) thought that was the name of your new record that was coming. Oh,
1: okay, all right, right. Okay, (laughs) okay, you get a pass. All right, yeah. So I'm I'm I'm
2: doing her album. (laughs) Okay, no, I Uh, thought I thought I thought Shaggy was making an album called Spice. I know who Spice uh, is. Okay, Uh, yeah. So I'm working on her album. I'm almost done.
1: Yeah. And um, the first single is coming out in March. And uh, it's exciting. It's the first time you'll see Shaggy
2: and Sean Paul on a record. Oh, shit. (laughs) Amazing. Amazing. Uh, Well, look, Shaggy, thank you so much, man, uh, for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Uh, All right, brother. I've always said... I consider you to be the Shawshank Redemption of dancing. So
3: <laughs> you were saying that before he came on. Yeah, that's all. I, that's all I talk about.
2: So uh, thank you so much, man. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Hi, right, brother. Thanks, thank you. you, thank
0: you. <laughs> <laughs> Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well.